0: After over a year of calls to defund the police, violence has reached crisis levels in many cities around the country. Thankfully, it looks like some of the media are finally catching on to the idea that there's a real problem here, folks. Friends, we'll address it. It's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to the Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. So the numbers have been in for a while here, but now the reality seems to be setting in, at least with the Democrat-aligned corporate media, that we've got a major violence problem in major American cities. Big surges in the homicide rate, big surges in shootings overall, but also in violence on the streets, all kinds of instability. Here's an example of how the media seems to come to these things later than they should, and we can all start to look at what those reasons are, why the delay back in, or most recently rather, Anarchists and Increase in Violent Crime Hijack Portland's Social Justice Movement. So now they're going to have to try to explain away why is it that there are Antifa lunatics running around the city of Portland Attacking police, attacking journalists sometimes, innocent bystanders, people just happen to get caught in the fray. Why is that happening day in and day out in a major American city? And the people doing it are mouthing many of the slogans of the mainstream Democrat left. They are ideologically aligned with many of the tenets of the Democrat Party today. What's going on? Oh, they've hijacked it, you see. There's an increase in violent crime... Uh, that has hijacked things. The anarchists have hijacked it. Well, well maybe though no, they're actually the shock troops. They're, they're the front line of the progressive activist left, but they can't allow that to be the idea. Uh, here's July of 2020, when there were, where there, uh, were tremendous violent protests, uh, clashes turned Portland into a right-wing boogeyman. Here's how it happened. So it was the right pouncing. It was the right seizing on the situation Uh, As of last July, when there were protests, riots, and and violence in the streets roiling the country, I mean, all over the place, in the the dozens of largest cities in America, we had big, big problems. And now uh, they're saying that it's because there's been a hijacking of social justice by some of these elements. Hmm, what really changed here? That's the question you should ask yourself. And since we're talking about a rise in violence, let's look at what's going on in Portland. You had in 2020, uh, three homicides in Portland. In 2021, 27, that's year to date through April, 27. That's an 800% increase. Now, these aren't large numbers alone, but if you take these as indicators, if you take these as showing you the trajectory of law and order and stability and safety in a place like Portland, it's certainly very concerning. But you see this pattern playing out in city after city. And that's why when you're starting to look at all of this together, you can come to very straightforward conclusions about it. Here you have in Louisville, year to date through April, in 2020, 34 and 2021, 58 murders, year to date through April, April. And that's a 71% increase. Now, at a time when you're seeing this in the top 50 cities in America, having an average of a 40% increase in, in homicides over the last year, that, that's an enormous jump. Wouldn't you think that the responsible, the reasonable thing to do would be to try to assist law enforcement to try to promote greater public safety and take action based upon that? No, instead, what you have is the attorney general under the Biden administration, Merrick Garland, announcing while Louisville specifically as a city in Kentucky has a much worse violent crime situation than it's had in a long time they're announcing from the DOJ an investigation of the police department.
1: Today, the Justice Department is opening a a civil investigation into the Louisville Jefferson County Metro government and the Louisville Metro Police Department to determine whether LMPD engages in a pattern or practice of violations of the Constitution or federal law.
0: Essentially, uh are they racist? That, that's really what they're doing. They're looking at, oh, is the Louisville PD racist? That's what they're going to be looking for. They can say it's a violation of constitutional rights. No, no, they're, they're looking for racism. Um, Minneapolis, where the George Floyd movement got going, because that's the city where George Floyd was killed. Uh, Minneapolis, year-to-date, 2020-18, 2021-34, an 89% increase in homicides and... You'd see this and say, all right, uh, clearly something is is going wrong here. There's a, there's a problem. This must be addressed. How are they going to address the rise in violent crime in Minneapolis? Anybody want to guess? Anyone want to throw out there an idea? It's not by putting more cops on the street. At least that's not what the Department of Justice is advocating for, for the people in charge in Minneapolis, the city council, the mayor to do. No, the, the DOJ is stepping in to say, oh, they're going to investigate the Minneapolis PD too, you know, looking for racism.
1: Today, I am announcing that the Justice Department has opened a civil investigation to determine whether the Minneapolis Police Department engages in a pattern or practice of unconstitutional or unlawful policing. This effort will be staffed by experienced attorneys and other personnel from the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division... And the u.s attorney's office for the district of minnesota
0: you have more people being killed than we've seen in a long time in american cities you've got people scared that their streets are unsafe and what is the approach of the Biden administration start investigating police departments for racism that's going to save that's going to save a lot of lives i'm sure but that's what they're doing Are the media is frantically trying to repair its credibility after calling the lab leak hypothesis on the origins of COVID-19 a conspiracy theory? Author and filmmaker Janesh D'Souza is going to tell us about what he's seeing here next. We're living in very uncertain times and being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in today is anything but predictable. The government is passing massive spending bills the federal reserve is printing trillions of dollars in fiat currency and many experts are predicting inflation could run rampant in the coming months that could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account we could all benefit from something a little more reliable right about now what could be more reliable than real gold and silver i'm talking about real gold and silver you can actually hold right in your hands call the oxford gold group right now learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home, or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. Call them right now, 833-600-GOLD. One more time, that's 833-600-G-O-L-D. Once widely viewed as a, quote, racist conspiracy theory and fringe nonsense, at least that's what the corporate media was saying, the Wuhan Wuhan lab leak theory is gaining more support from health officials around the world, and now mainstream media is all but admitting it dismissed the story because, well, you know, President Trump said it. Watch. And yes, I think a lot of people have egg on their face. This was an idea uh, that that was first put forward by Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, Donald Trump. And look, some things may be true even if Donald Trump said them. Yeah, you don't say. Joining me now to react, Dinesh D'Souza, filmmaker, best-selling author and host of the Dinesh D'Souza podcast, which is on its 100th most excellent episode. Dinesh, great to have you back. Buck, it's a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, now the media, and he's not the only one, let me point out. There have been others, and we just had that one guy, I think from, what, CBS? uh, But there are others that have been saying, well, it's not really our fault, Dinesh, that we got this critical theory wrong, or rather that we got this notion of where the Wuhan coronavirus came from wrong. Of course we did, because Trump said it, therefore it must not be true. I feel like this is a window into thinking that goes well, beyond COVID 19?
2: Yeah, I think part of it is the uh, simple notion that if Trump says up, they have to say down. If Trump says go back, they want to go forward. So, whatever the reverse of Trump has to be uh, the posture of, of the left and of the media in general. But I think it actually goes way beyond that because, uh, you know, although people are calling this the lab leak theory, Uh, Scott Gottlieb, the former FDA commissioner, has now said that there have been six prior leaks uh, by China. Uh, China leaks caused the earlier SARS-1 outbreak. And so think about it. When you have repeated leaks from a lab, First of all, the question becomes, does it make sense to continue to subsidize collaborative research with a, with a lab that is making dangerous viruses and constantly leaking them out? And the second question becomes, the first time it's negligence, maybe the second time it's negligence, but after a while, you have to ask, is there something deeper and more insidious afoot here?
0: We actually have uh, the former FDA commissioner, Scott Gottlieb. You just mentioned him. Let everyone see what he says. These kinds of lab leaks happen all the time, uh, actually. Even here in the United States, we've had mishaps. And
1: in China, the last six known outbreaks of SARS-1 have been out of labs, including the last known outbreak, which was a pretty um, extensive outbreak that China initially wouldn't disclose that it came out of a lab. It was, only for the, it was only disclosed finally by some journalists who were
0: able to trace that outbreak back to a laboratory. Now, Dinesh, there's clearly a, a heightened sense of, OK, this now is an even more credible theory when you're adding to this that lab leaks happen in China. Oh, right, which is what some people thought at the beginning. But beyond figuring out where the last one came from, doesn't this also raise the need to figure it out because we need to prevent the next one? I mean, how can we stop you know COVID 2022 or 2025 or whatever if we don't actually know where this thing came from? It feels like this isn't just a political football issue. This is actually a public safety issue.
2: Well, um, you know, Zeke Emanuel, Biden's chief uh, COVID guy said, well, it's not really a matter of um, you know, what happened before, we just gotta stop the next one. But you can't stop the next one until you know what happened with the previous one, because that's where you focus your measures on trying to prevent this from happening again. Uh, I, I think the deeper problem here is this, and that is that you've got a community of virologists who have been lecturing us now for 15 months about we gotta do this, we gotta do that, we gotta shut this down, we gotta do that. And it turns out that unknown to us, these guys were collaborating in this gain of function research. They're literally taking deadly viruses and making them more infectious more contagious, and more lethal, and they never said a word to the public about this. I mean, it only came out because of Nicholas Wade's article and Rand Paul's questioning of Fauci. Had it not been for those things, we still wouldn't know. So the questions I want to ask are, first of all, is it the case that the people who have presented themselves as the sort of firefighters here are the ones who set the fire in the first place? That's a critically important question. It has to do with the credibility of the medical community, leave aside the credibility of the media, which has been collaborating in suppressing the idea of the lab leak, leave alone digital media, which has censored literally millions of posts that referred to the possibility of a lab leak. So think of the number of parties here that have become discredited and think of the significance and the implications if this turns out to be true.
0: Dinesh, it seems that you mentioned the virologist, the scientists, that, that over the course of this, we've seen something that might be troubling for Americans to accept, but it strikes me at least that it's, it's important for them to know and to recognize. And that is that government scientists and really the scientific community in general is every bit as subject to politics, politicization, to the pressures of public whims and, and outside forces as any number of other professions. I, I feel like we had had this elevated stature for, for men and, and women, of science before this moment, as though they're beyond these considerations of politics. When, if anything, it feels like the the COVID pandemic has shown us that that's just simply not true. You've
2: got to actually, uh, you know, have a close familiarity with these people. And I happen to over the years, uh, both in India and in the United States, half of these people are absolutely crazy. And what I mean by that is if you were to tell them, you know, We figured out a way to cross a dog with a cat. They would be like, do it. We figured out a way to create new deadly viruses, do it. The scientific assumption is that if you can do it, you should do it. Now, my question is, all right, let's assume that there is a legitimate research function in manufacturing these viruses. Still not obvious to me what it is, but let's say that there is. The question then becomes, what are the 10 steps that you're taking? You're making deadly viruses in labs what are the precautions you're taking to make sure none of these ever get out? Let alone the fact that six of them, six times it has already happened according to Scott Gottlieb. So evidently we've got a deeply irresponsible scientific community in China and in the United States. And when information gets out and there's a huge global pandemic and you know the effects of it as well as I, Suddenly there's dead silence about the complicity of the scientific community in having made deadly viruses. We don't hear a word about it for over a year.
0: Dinesh, the Biden administration is now tasked with or in the only position to try to get answers about the origins of this, given what we've seen, which is the, uh, pretty much the open acknowledgement now from at least some in the media that they politicized this thing. I mean, they were, they were opposed to the lab leak theory uh, because Trump said that that's what happened. Among many other people, how do you think the Biden administration is going to handle this investigation of the, of the Wuhan leak? I mean, and how, how would you expect they'll handle this?
2: I expect that they will uh, pretend to investigate because they, uh, uh, their job, I mean, we've seen how these intelligence communities operate. By and large, they've now become an extension of the Democratic administration. They are an arm of the left. And so I expect that their main job is going to be not to reveal the truth of what happened, um, but to cover for the Biden administration. And so I expect a kind of complex. A nuanced worded report in which unnamed officials tell other unnamed officials things who tell other unnamed officials things. And the conclusion is that the Biden administration acted impeccably and mistakes were made. But uh, the solution is further cooperation among international agencies to make sure nothing like this happens again. In other words, a complete whitewash providing no real information and ultimately aimed not at presenting but at obscuring the truth.
0: Dinesh, just real quick, you crossed the 100th podcast episode threshold. What uh, can folks from the Dinesh Souza podcast expect this week? Give us a preview.
2: Well, I'm just hitting my stride. I mean, I've, I've uh, got a new research paper uh, that talks about clues that the virus did come from the lab, and I'm going to discuss that in depth tomorrow. I have interesting guests. I do the podcast both in audio and in video, so it's it's really fun. I've never had a daily podium to be able to react and interpret world events, so this is a, a first for
0: me, and I'm just, I think, falling into my groove. Check it out, everybody. The Dinesh the podcast. Dinesh, always good to see you. Thank you. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signing a ban today on biological men competing in women's sports just days after the International Olympic Committee announced it'll allow a transgender woman to compete in weightlifting, yeah, in the upcoming Tokyo Games. When we come back, my friend Clay Travis, and soon-to-be co-host, joins us to give his take on that and more. Stick around. If you've ever thought about investing in real estate, I want you to take me up on this recommendation right now. Visit doneforyoubuck.com where you can learn more about my friends at Done For Real Estate. If you haven't checked them out yet, let me make this easy for you. These guys have found a way to make real estate investing straightforward and their system flat out works. I know because I'm somebody who has been using it with success. It allows everyday hardworking Americans like you and me to finally own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. Look, I can't tell you in this quick 60-second commercial about every step in this process with these guys, and you should know about it all because it's a big decision. So how about this? If you visit doneforyoubuck.com, at the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with Done For You Real Estate, where you can hear my personal experience with their company in my own words. I'll tell you about it in detail, from picking the city to getting the broker, the loan, even getting a tenant in place, so I get that free cash flow coming to me now every month. Just visit doneforyoubuck.com, Listen to the podcast interview and give my friends a chance to show you what they can do for you.
3: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride. That's right for you because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality. So you can be sure with upfront pricing. That's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill today that would bar biological men from playing on public school teams intended for student athletes who are women. Florida is just the latest state to adopt such a ban, which has been passed or is being considered in at least 30 states around the country. The signing comes just days after the International Olympic Committee made headlines by announcing that transgender weightlifter Laurel Hubbard would be allowed to compete in the upcoming Summer Olympics in Tokyo as a woman. So does the IOC's decision put the future of women's sports in jeopardy? Join me now, the founder of OutKick and OutKick.com, and my future soon-to-be co-host, in from 12 to 3 for Premier Networks on hundreds of radio stations across the country for the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Mr. Clay Travis, good to see you.
4: Uh, It's great to be here. I'm excited to get rolling. Uh, As you well know, uh, just a little under three weeks until we'll officially debut, and I'm you can tell, still uh, and like relaxed a little bit here. t shirt shorts. I'm down in Florida with my family. Uh, this is the time of year we got to get away. Sports usually slows down a little bit. I didn't know we'd have this major announcement going on officially. Uh, so I'm excited to get underway. But I'm uh, I'm here in the state of Florida, and I think Ron DeSantis uh, made the right decision. Not surprising. He's made a lot of really good decisions. Probably the best governor right up there, I would say, with Greg Abbott over the past year dealing with COVID and many other issues as well. And, Buck, to me, this is one of the quintessential questions that is out there in the world of sports. And it's wild that we have to say this. But you end up with two different sort of identity victimization politics universes colliding. You've got uh, the the, uh, the question of, are you going to side on Title IX for women, for feminists who believe in – Uh, the absolute equity and equality of female athletics as it poses to men's athletics, or are you going to bend the knee to transgender activists? Because if you allow biological men who now identify as women to compete, we've seen these lawsuits being filed. Connecticut, I believe Idaho already, girls in uh, high school. The state of Connecticut, Buck, had 15 different state titles won, by a biological man who identified as a woman. And if this weightlifter uh, ends up being able to compete, there's all sorts of discussions inside of the Olympics. With the reason we segregate men and women's sports, the reason why we have two different divisions is because if we just had one division, women would never win anything. And so uh, look, I mean, this to me questions the very foundation of women's athletics if you allow men who identify as women to uh, to compete.
0: Now, Clay, you, you follow the actual records and, and, and the league, so to speak. I mean, this is an Olympic issue and not a, a professional league issue. But uh, is there any doubt that Laurel Hubbard would be the, the, the best weightlifter of all time on the female side of the ledger if and when Laurel Hubbard competes as a woman? I mean, it seems, it seems like a fait accompli. I mean, is that, is that what we're facing here?
4: Well, I mean, I'll give you an example, Buck. Uh, I have no idea what the game – I love sports gambling, right? So I have no idea what the gambling odds for, uh, for women's weightlifting are. Uh, so I, that would be interesting to see. But I would think that she would be among the favorites. But the stat that I love is uh, a couple of years ago in the state of Texas, there were 300 high school boys who were faster than the fastest woman ever in the history of the 100-meter, 100 100-yard 100 dash, basically. 300 high school boys. So just in the state of Texas, no woman would win a medal if men are competing against women. That's why we have two different sex divisions in the Olympics. And so I would think this person, uh, Laurel Hubbard, I believe, or whatever the name is officially, uh, and they switched at the age of 37, I believe. So we're talking about a fully grown male uh, athlete who then decides to become a woman. And all the benefits, as you well know, of being bigger, stronger, faster on average, all these things that basic athletics show us, already had inured to this weightlifter when she decided to change her gender. And I don't have any problem with consenting adults making decisions that make them happier in their life. But the entire purpose of having male-female divisions is because it's unfair to allow men to compete against women. And it seems to me, that we're sort of allowing that to occur here. And it's as if you people, because they're so uh, woke, are willing to actually have this conversation about the importance of continuing- Well, to that, that's, that's
0: what I wanna ask you about, Clay. It, it, for, for the woke sports analysts out there, I mean, you're now gonna be yes. co-hosting the biggest uh, political talk radio show platform that I, I think <laughs> is in existence with yours truly. So we're gonna have a great time doing that, but you're also a, a well-known sports guy. And I'm just wondering, Uh, From the sports analysis side, what do woke, you know, I I, look, I haven't watched ESPN in like a decade. So I don't even know what people just tell me it's MSNBC with sports. But what do they say about this? Do they say, well, there's not that big an advantage. I mean, they must know. Right. Or or, or, how do they explain this?
4: I think what is what we've got going on here is sports media all know this is ridiculous. They are terrified that they will run afoul of the blue checkmark brigade, as I call it, and end up being ridiculed in some way if they step out and say what I think they all would acknowledge, which is men should compete against men and women should compete against women. It's a sign, I think, of how far left-wing sports has become in general, Buck, that this is considered to be in any way controversial. I mean, to me, it's the very essence of competition that all of us who have ever played little league sports on up through high school, certainly college and pro, understand innately men compete against men and women compete against women.
0: One more before we let you get back to enjoying some time off before we uh, take the radio world by storm, Clay. Uh, This past weekend, tennis player, actually tennis is the one professional sport I kind of do follow, uh, but Naomi Osaka withdrew from the French Open, one of the four majors, after she refused to speak to the media following her first round victory. She cited mental health for her decision what, what what do you make of this?
4: I'm fascinated by this on so many different levels, Buck. Uh, first of all, and I, I tweeted this out, there are so many people in sports media who are fine with athletes violating their contract when it comes to standing for the national anthem. But as soon as those same athletes violate their contracts, because it's usually written in for the anthem as well as for interacting with media that you have to make yourself available to answer questions then all of a sudden a lot of them start to get upset at the athlete for not allowing them to do their job. Uh, In general, I think the talking to the media storyline is a vestige of a pre-social media era. In other words, they needed the attention from media to get people to watch their games, to listen to their games, to attend their games. I'm not sure that the sports media big picture is really adding very much from these interactions that they get with the athletes. And I think a lot of athletes, candidly, don't enjoy it and are going to follow Naomi Osaka's lead on some level, even if they don't use the exact same logic as she did. I think these uh, press availabilities, as they are, are going to become more and more of a rarity. And and, and I think the sports media in general is going to find many of their jobs. You know, think about it, Buck. It used to be if you wrote, let's say, for the Cincinnati newspaper, and you wrote for the Denver newspaper. If you were fortunate enough to be in that room, you were one of the only people who could get the quotes and be able to tell people what happened in the game. Now everybody can watch the game. They can even watch the press conference. You know, They can see the athlete themselves make statements on social media. I just don't know that we gain that much from these press availabilities like that we would have in the 50s, the 60s, and certainly before that, when the media helped to make the sports
0: matter. All right, Clay, rest up, get some sunshine, because when you come back, we got a country to save with the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show starting June 21st. Hundreds of markets. I can't wait, my man, I appreciate it. See you soon, my friend, talk to you in a bit. Vice President Kamala Harris, once touted as President Biden's border czar, now appears to be distancing herself from the crisis at the southern border. A border czar who doesn't want to talk about the border. I mean, after the break... Let's have the Center for Immigration Studies Art Arthur break down the madness for us. That's coming up.
5: Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives.
0: A CNN White House reporter claimed that Vice President Harris, who was dubbed the border czar back in March, is now distancing herself from the ongoing border crisis. Watch.
6: She is extremely involved in crafting the administration's regional strategy for dealing with the root causes of migration. She's focused on everything from governance to climate change to tackling food insecurity in these countries to really get at what is causing these people to surge to the border. She has wanted to emphasize both internally and publicly. Frankly, her team has come out and said publicly, look, we do not own the issues at the border. We are not managing the issues at the border.
0: Oh, Yes, climate change, food insecurity. These are the ways that they're going to turn the border situation around. Yeah, the VP is scheduled to visit Mexico and Guatemala this month, but no plan still to go to the border. Join me now to discuss Arthur Arthur. Sorry, Andrew Arthur, resident fellow in law and policy at the Center for Immigration Studies. Art, see, I think of you as Art Arthur all the time. I see your name the other way and I get confused. Good to see you. Good to see you, Buck and Thank you for having me. So how is it they can walk away from this issue when you have somebody who is supposed to be the border czar? What's going on? Well, part of it, Buck, has
1: to do with the fact that there's a very compliant press who's going to accept these things without really looking at them. The press parrots, the talking points that... The reason that aliens are coming to the border illegally is because of poverty, corruption, and crime in those countries from which most of them are coming, El Salvador, uh, Guatemala, and Honduras. But the fact is, those have been issues for decades, if not centuries, in those countries. Unfortunately, we didn't see this influx um, of uh, aliens from these countries under President Bush. We started to see it under President Obama. We saw uh, more uh, come, but with a lot of variation under President Trump. Now that President uh, Biden has basically told the world that he's going to do things differently than his predecessor did, they're all showing up.
0: We've got U.S. Customs and Border Protection encountering 178,622 migrants at the southern border in the month of April alone. That's the highest number on record in more than 20 years. Can you just put into perspective for us, what does that mean it's going to look like this year, assuming that the current flow... Uh, Continues the current trends continue, and and why is it happening?
1: Well, that's an excellent question, Buck. Uh, To give you some perspective, that doesn't even count the more than 40,000 individuals that CBP uh, conservatively estimates eluded agents on their way into the United States. But to go back to April of 2000, which was the last time that we saw a flow this big, most of those people were single adult males from Mexico uh and most of them can be processed very quickly and returned today a uh, large majority of the people that we're seeing are either unaccompanied children or families and most of them are coming from most of those families and children are coming from the three countries i mentioned el salvador honduras and guatemala it takes hours if not days to process those individuals that's why border patrol is just releasing them the reasons why they're coming are not the ones that the biden administration is telling you about or certainly not exclusively there are loopholes in the law that especially children and families take advantage of with respect to the children the 2008 anti-trafficking law requires dhs to send those kids within 72 hours over to health and human services for release into the united states 90 percent of them go to their family members here most of those individuals are here illegally themselves so even the uh, washington post back in 2014 said that uh This was a drawing factor for those kids coming to the united states with respect to the families in 2015 a ninth circuit judge in los angeles held that uh families had to be released within 20 days of apprehension the ninth circuit eventually narrowed that down to say only the kids had to be released when they show up with families But because uh, to avoid family uh, separation, generally the parents are released, too. The parents know that, and that's why they come here with the kids. A 2019 report said those children were pawns uh, for both the smugglers and the parents who were bringing them to the United States. Congress can change both of those laws tomorrow, but they don't seem to have any intention to do so.
0: Yeah, R, that's where I wanted to go next with you, but, but focusing for a moment on just the executive side of this with the, with the Biden White House and Kamala Harris, uh, as the supposed border czar here, when people hear that there's now an effort to say that she's not really taking on all the border issues as her own and that there's so many issues and all this other stuff, It's hard not to come away from that, Uh, granted, as as an admitted critic of this administration, but as somebody who does want to see the border get fixed, it's hard to come away with that and think that they haven't just effectively thrown their hands up and said, we're not going to do what has to be done to get this open border situation effectively to stop. Is that what's happening? Am I missing something? Are they they actually going to do something that we haven't thought of yet? Because it feels like status quo is pretty acceptable to this administration. Yeah, actually, Buck, it's worse
1: than you described because the Biden administration is actively taking steps that will encourage people to enter the United States illegally. They've stopped, for example, enforcing the immigration laws in the interior of the United States in all except the most extreme cases. That means that once folks come to this country and enter illegally, they're here for good. That was not anything that's in the uh, law. That's not uh, anything that uh, President Trump did. That's actually something that the Biden administration has opted to do in derogation of its duties under the constitution.
0: Secretary of State Blinken is gonna meet with Central American officials during a two-day visit to Costa Rica, which is actually going on as of today. Uh, what what are you thinking the Secretary of State's gonna ask for and what's the likelihood that anything important will happen as it pertains to the border?
1: Uh, nothing's gonna happen in the short term. What uh, Secretary of State Blinken is going to ask for is to uh, convince those countries to stop their nationals from coming to the United States. But, you know, when the Biden administration is doing one thing and then asking uh, the heads of those countries to do something different, it's going to cause a certain cognitive dissonance and people are going to opt for the open door uh, that uh, President Biden has uh, created rather than listen to the admonitions of their own leaders
0: you got local hospitals paying the price for Biden's border crisis. I know you wrote a piece on this recently. There's a hospital in Texas that's been treating unaccompanied migrant children for a range of concerns, not gotten any reimbursement from the Biden administration for hundreds of thousands of dollars in healthcare costs. What's going on?
1: Yeah, the hospital in question is the Midland Memorial Hospital in Midland, Texas. Midland, Texas is not on the border. It's actually pretty well inland. But uh, the Biden administration, uh, if you uh, listen to what uh, Representative Quayor says, is playing a shell game and moving children into HHS facilities uh, away from the border. Uh, he didn't actually say that, but that's what they're doing. Um, and consequently, when those kids get sick, they get sent to the local hospital, in this case, Midland Memorial. The cases in which the uh, ailments for which those children were treated ranged you know, from uh, COVID to pregnancy and uh, sexual assault, which raises the question, how exactly uh, did these children, because it's a children's center, get pregnant? Did they get pregnant in the facility? Did they show up pregnant? Why didn't anybody catch that? But here's the thing, Buck, what's happening in Midland, Texas today is going to be happening in communities across the United States tomorrow. Uh, you know, Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Georgetown in Washington, D.C., any hospital that you can think of is going to end up footing the price when children, when other migrants show up in emergency rooms and demand treatment. They can't turn them away. They have to treat them. And that means that we all pay uh, in the forms of higher hospital costs and higher premiums. And that's coming soon to a city
0: near you. Arthur, good to see you, sir. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank
1: you so much for having me, Buck.
0: While Dr. Fauci was busy getting everything wrong on the pandemic, it appears he had enough time to write a book. Does this surprise anybody? Doesn't surprise me. That story's up next in Quick Hits. I've been telling you for a while now about online thieves who can easily steal your home's title. But you don't have to take my word for it. Take it from this thief who stole over 150 homes and was sentenced to 25 years in prison. This is why you need home title lock.
4: Not only that,
0: you don't even own your home anymore. It's not even in your name. Heard enough? Don't let this crime happen to you. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and enter code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com.
5: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
4: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
6: I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.
0: CNN's Jake Tapper appears to have a moment of clarity. Kind of. And Dr. Anthony Fauci has a new book coming out on the truth quick hits that's what we're in right now let's get to it shall we all right uh you know from watching this show that i think that anthony fauci is the worst and that that, that's a shorthand way of saying it i think fauci is pretty awful and has been wrong about a lot of stuff and is a prima donna who seems more concerned with how many media hits he gets to do than with how to properly or adequately respond to the covid 19 pandemic. And I've been right, I think. The latest that you can add into this is that Fauci is releasing a book. Of course, you got a Fauci book coming your way. Here he is. Expect the unexpected Dr. Fauci to release a book on 10 lessons on truth service and the way forward. Oh, another government bureaucrat who was just about doing his job, not political, but somehow managed to never upset Democrats, only Republicans, never upset a, uh, a Democrat president, only a Republican president with Donald Trump. And that's just a, that's just a coincidence. And now he gets his big book deal. I, I can tell you right now, this is a seven-figure book deal. I haven't even looked at it. I, I don't know, I haven't, but I'm telling you, this guy's, this guy's now a millionaire, because the Democrat controlled publishing houses take care of their own, they uh, take care of their people. Fauci, let's be honest, Fauci perhaps more than any other person might be responsible for Joe Biden being president right now. That's right. Fauci delivered the election to Biden by always being a thorn in the side of the Trump administration and doing so in ways that we now see were not rooted in the science, but are actually a function of what was politically expedient for the Fouch in the moment. Jake Tapper. I think he's a big phony, but that's okay. It's just my opinion. I'm right, but that's my opinion. Uh, Here he is, though, calling out another big phony, Chris Cuomo, on on air at CNN, because it turns out if you're going to pose as a journalist at CNN, you got to keep some facade of ethics going on. Everyone knows you're really a DNC hack. Everyone knows that what you're doing is propaganda for the Democrats while pretending while covering it as though, oh no, we're just journalists, man. But when you're going to give your brother, who is a politician that your network is covering, advice on how to handle the media coverage of him and being on official conference calls with his crisis PR team, that's a problem such that even fake Tapper gets upset about it. I cannot
4: imagine a world in which anybody in journalism thinks that that was appropriate. Uh, so, I mean, I I agree with that. Uh, and he said he, uh, Chris, in his apology uh, that he delivered on air, said that um, he put us in a bad spot, and I would also agree with that.
0: Yeah. Not a surprise. But I, see, this is, I actually kind of disagree. I don't think he did put CNN in a bad spot. CNN is an unethical organization where people are frauds. They're not really journalists. They are Democrat propagandists and partisans posing as something else. So how can you, when you have no integrity to protect, as CNN does, how can you be worried about your integrity? Doesn't really make any sense. So I actually disagree with uh, with fake tapper on that one. I have to tell you, Uh, Biden is weird. Biden says things that people who, well, just people wouldn't say. Remember the whole thing about my blonde leg hair and the kid touching my leg hair in the sun? It was all very kind of weird, creepy old man stuff. He had another creepy old man Biden moment over the weekend. Totally unnecessary, here's what he said.
3: I'm especially honored to share the stage with Brittany and Jordan and Nathan and Margaret Catherine. I I love those barrettes in her hair, man. I tell you what, look at her, she looks like she's 19 years old sitting there with her.
0: Like a little lady in the race car I mean, you know? One more for you here. The governor of Idaho revoked the lieutenant governor's mask mandate ban. Um, and I got to tell you, I, I think it's, I think it's very important that people understand that until you ban masks, uh, ban mask mandates, I mean, you're going to still have places that are in the grips of this anxiety of the mask mania. So I'm with those places, those states that are saying, no, no, it's not optional now, no more mask mandates allowed, at least from a government level. And then at a private level, we can all figure that out with those businesses that are saying mask up even if you're vaccinated, because apparently they don't believe the science and they can't really read or at least not understand what they're reading. We'll have more on this tomorrow. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.